Big Ten has pulled the plug on fall football. Shed a tear, Spartan Nation. No one will blame you. A somber way to start a new show, but hello and welcome in, everyone. This is the inaugural episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast presented by MLive.com. It is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined today by two dudes who know Michigan State sports just about as good as anyone. Uh, We have Matt Wenzel, our football reporter, is here. Uh, How's it going, sir? You ready to do this? Yeah, let's get it going. The season should start in the next uh, year or so. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Kyle Austin, MLive's lead Michigan State basketball reporter, is also in the house. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Hey, good to be here. I figure everyone's got some more time on their hands now, right? Right. Well, you guys do, I'm sure. Well, maybe. I'm sure it's still busy over there in beat reporter land. Never a dull day when you're covering the team day in and day out. Uh, As I said, coming up on today's show about Michigan State sports, we're sadly going to be talking about how there won't be any Michigan State sports this fall. Uh, The Big Ten deciding to pull the plug on the 2020 fall sports season due to the uh, concerns of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren uh, announcing last week, I believe, August 11, uh, that the season would not go forward as planned. So um, we've each had a few days to sort of collect our thoughts and react to this. Uh, They are going to try, as of right now, to play in the spring, but uh, very sad news for anyone who lives and breathes college football. Uh, we, of course, contrary to popular reports, uh, you know, love college football. Um, but we're going to look at this uh, from a lot of different angles. And, and Matt, I'll, I'll toss it to you first. Um, you've had a few days here. What what was your first reaction to the Big Ten's decision? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. I've basically been, you know, expecting this, not absolutely not hoping for it, but expecting this for, you know, really a couple months. I think there was... You know, ever since March, there was uncertainty about what the, you know, when, when all the spring sport, when the remaining winter sports championships were canceled, the spring sports were canceled. I think everybody started looking at football and you didn't know. You thought, well, there's enough time. And you were hopeful through June or so. And then it all kind of, you know, when you see the numbers spike across the country, outbreaks on campuses, um, it just, you know, your, your, your optimism fades and, and you were waiting for it. I'm a little surprised in the timing and that they would come out, release the, the revised 10 game schedules, you know, make this big hoopla about it with the live show. And then six days later, pull the plug with, with no real explanation. I mean, I understand it. If you're going to say it's for health and safety, I'm not surprised you see the numbers. And I, I still, I I struggle to see a way within the rules, uh, specific rules involving testing, quarantine and, and the tracing, how you would actually pull off a season. But I, I just didn't think that Kevin Warren was very forthcoming with answers, specifically why when you look at the Pac-12, which did the same thing the same day, you know, they re- released a medical report detailing everything and telling you why. And I mean, if, if the Big Ten had just done the same, if they had been more, you know, transparent in the process and not make it a deal where a week later, every, apparently you don't know if there was an actual real vote. It just doesn't make the Big Ten look good at this point in time. Maybe you know a two month, a month, two months from now, they'll look at it and say, you know, when there's if there's no football, they can say that Big Ten was first among the Power Five to to do it, and they were right. But uh, it just the execution was was uh, was not great from a public relations standpoint. 
Yeah, certainly a lot of questions coming out after in the wake of the news, and we've got different Power Five conferences handling this differently, each one taking it in their own direction. Uh, As of now, the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 uh, planning to go forward with the season, as well as some other group of five conferences. Uh, Kyle, I'm guessing you weren't uh, very surprised uh, when the Big Ten decided to, to, to call it either. No, I wasn't surprised. I, I thought they had telegraphed it for a while. You know, anytime Kevin Warren spoke for several weeks uh, leading up to that, it, he would say, I think, first and foremost, we don't know if we're going to have a season. You know, you know, influential people like Gene Smith at Ohio State had said the same thing. So I think they had tried to soften the blow, but um, it, it still kind of comes as a surprise. And it's become a little bit more surprising now, um, I think, because I still don't think they've really had a cogent explanation for it. Um, I, I think it's become pretty clear that this was not some unanimous thing. You know, we saw Nebraska, you know, pretend like it was going to go play rogue for a little while there before falling in line. Um, you, you know, you've got some different administrators, you know, Sandy Barber at Penn State, the athletic director, kind of calling the process into question. Um, so I don't think it's I don't think this thing is over yet as far as getting answers out. And uh, I, my question was, like what Matt said, I, I don't understand why they had to do it when they did. It seemed a little early to me, you know, a week after they do it or within a week, uh, you start hearing about the saliva test, which could be a game changer. Um, you know, th- this virus is changing by the day. It seems like there's new developments. Um, the trends are changing. I'm not sure anything was going to get a whole lot better between they played, but I, you know, it's so important to so many people. There's so much money involved. It seems like you would, uh, you would try to drag it out until the last possible moment. And I'm not sure they did that. Uh, so that's really my only question, but you know, Kevin Warren could look like a visionary here in a couple of weeks if things go south for the rest of the country. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'm not saying they're wrong. I just think it was a little bit early, and I'm not sure they explained it as well as they could have. Right. Well, it's it's August 19th now, and you know, even in the wake of of the the season being called, you know, we've seen uh, parents of of the Michigan football team writing letters to the president and the AD and the university. We've seen Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields come out and uh, release a petition and and try and get people to sign and support uh, maybe the Big Ten to reverse course and and have a season after all. Um, you know, it's it's not quite September yet. Um, do you guys see any sort of, uh, in Matt, I'll ask you first, do you see any sort of way where the big 10 reverses course and actually has some sort of a season this fall? No, I just, I, I no, <laughs> absolutely not. You know, I mean, especially when you see the trends now, I mean, unless they were to somehow just completely do a 180 and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to figure out a way to put the, you know, do a bubble for the football team. Cause if you see, you know, as you saw yesterday with Michigan state, uh, oh, I should say on Tuesday with Michigan state, you know, pulling the plug on, on having students on campus. Although athletes are allowed to continue working out. So, I mean, <laughs> in theory, you could, but it shatters your whole idea of, of amateurism and, and that these are student athletes first when you do that. Now, some of them would probably like to do that. Some of them right. wouldn't, but I can't, I just can't see in any way, shape or form that, you know, these big 10 parents show up in, at, at, at the headquarters this week. Um, good luck finding it, by the way, if you've ever been to Rosemont, <laughs> unless you drive by it on the highway, <laughs> you're going to drive around in circles for 20 minutes. It's tucked in this little corner. It's so maybe they won't even find it. But if you think Kevin Warren's going to come out there and talk to him and issue a public apology and say, all right, we're playing football. Let's go back to work. That's, that's simply not going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, as much as we saw the, you know, the hashtag we want to play and, and all the players pretty much unanimous in wanting to play, you know, I've been telling people there was some excitement thinking that they were going to be able to save the season. And I was just like, well, there's a reason the 20 something jocks don't make the decision, guys. And, uh, you know, there's people that have a higher pay grade with higher uh, education than, you know, I think to myself when I was 20, I played three sports in high school, I played IM sports in college. You know, I'm just trying to think of my mindset when I wanted to play sports. Of course, you don't want it to be canceled, but there's a reason I wasn't making that decision. Um, So moving forward, it seems unlikely that there's going to be a season in the fall, even if these other conferences try and put pressure on and do try and have a season. Uh, So the Big Ten's tentative plan right now is to move the season to a spring, to the spring when they usually have spring football. I personally am quite skeptical of this plan. Uh, you're, you're trying to take a, a season in which they have, what, 12, 14 practices in a spring game and try and somehow formulate a season. And then that brings up questions to the fall season of next year. Are you going to shorten that? So, Kyle, do you think the idea of a spring season could actually work? I, I think it could work, but I, I don't think you could have two full legitimate seasons um, in one calendar year with college football. And, and just with the toll that that sport takes on players' bodies and, and the limited amount of downtime in between, I think you talk, you're you talking about having shortened seasons probably for both of them, um, or at least for the spring, you'd have guys opting out of one or the other Um so I, I think you can do it. I think the question is, what do you want to give up to do it? Um, do you want to have a uh, not as good fall 2021 season? Do you want to do a six or eight game spring season uh, to try to make the fall season the best you can? I mean, it's going to be a juggling act for them because you can't have everything you want. You can't have two full seasons in one calendar year. That's just not possible for them. So I, I think they're going to do it. I think there's enough financial incentive to do it. Um, I think people, um, if it's if it's possible, people are going to really be dying for football by then. So I think you're going to see a um, a shortened, probably not too great of a product season um, in the spring. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of potential NFL draft guys decide not to do that. Um, but by then, I think I think plenty of fans will be happy to see anything. So I, I think we'll get a short spring season and then hopefully a um, a full, uh, somewhat normal looking fall season. Matt, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Kyle raises, you know, I mean, I would just echo what he says. It would be be really tough to pull. I mean, it, it's possible, but you're not going to get a season, a fall season like you would in the spring, just flipping the calendar forward a, a little bit. I mean, with the, you know, you, you have so many questions that need to be answered from eligibility. You know, you know, are, is everybody going to get an extra year? Who's going to opt out? You know, are, are, are 2021 recruits who plan on, on signing or signing in December and enrolling early, are they going to be allowed to enroll early? Do you have scholarship limit scholarships open? Are they going to lift the 85 man cap? How many guys will just set out for the NFL combine, NFL draft, all those things. And the timing, you know, our, our Ryan Day wants to start in January. Uh, Jeff Brom for a proposal, I think that had a February 27 start with it and wrapping up in May, which obviously bumps well into the NFL calendar and really wouldn't work for a lot of guys. Um, weather. I mean, if you start in January, I mean, what, what what's the, what's the weather forecast in January in, in, in Minneapolis or, or East Lansing or Ann Arbor? It's, you know, it's, it's not pretty. Are you going to play them all indoors? Are you going to work out a way to, and there's just a lot of questions. And again, I repeat what Kyle said. I think they'll try to pull something off, but you, you don't want to jeopardize a full season um, and as Bill Beekman told us the other day, he said, you know, his priority is having 
a normal season, a normal 2021 fall season, which is certainly in doubt at this point in time, and doing whatever they can in the spring to to keep that in place. And, uh, you know, it's and then, you know, the, the health and safety again, like you said, about the uh, about guys playing two seasons in one calendar year, whether it's two college seasons or one college in the NFL, it's it's a lot to ask, a, a lot of a lot of hurdles to jump through. Yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, unanswered questions so far. We've had, you know, major pundits like Reese Davis, host of College Game Day, come out and call the idea of a, a, a spring season preposterous. And then you talk about the the quality of play on the field. You know, even just today we had, you know, Wake Forest's Sage Surratt. You know, he I, I don't believe he played in the pinstripe bowl against Michigan State, and he's opting out, one of the best receivers in the ACC. Uh, we had, you know, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan declare for the NFL draft yesterday, and there's going to be more guys like this. So, what what is the quality of play going to be if you do in fact try and have a spring season? Uh, lots of questions uh, to ask for sure. So I think it was Nick Saban that said asked did, was he the one yesterday called it is, is it going to be a JV season? <laughs> right, so, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, do, do we really want to? Is it worth it to? put this product on the field or is it better to just take a year off reset and get ready for a full hopefully normal 2021 season so closing in from the big picture conversation this is obviously you know this is a, a, a nationwide conversation and the other conferences are going ahead thinking they can and we have the powers that be bickering over medical information uh, let's zero in the conversation for michigan state who obviously is breaking into new coaching staff mel tucker is entering uh, year zero, as some of us on Twitter like to call it, but year one in East Lansing. Um, there's been a lot of chatter of perhaps maybe not having a season, maybe being beneficial to Michigan State, implementing new systems, implementing new players, a lot of new players on both sides of the ball. So um, Kyle, or sorry, I'll, I'll throw it to Matt since, since you're the lead football guy here, but how, do, you, do you see this? Is there any definitive way that you could say maybe this helps Mel Tucker? Does it hurt Mel Tucker? Um, how do you see this falling for the Spartans? I mean, you, you could make that argument in so far as there, this pan, the pandemic had probably hurt Michigan State as much as any program in the country, um, just from, you know, obviously the late coaching change, you know, in February, it's late February before he has his staff together, and then you don't have a spring, single spring practice. So, I mean, there were some schools that had a, a number of spring practices, some schools with established staffs and programs and, and schemes and everything in place. And instead, these guys spend three months at home, you know, doing this thing on Zoom and through through an app. And, and then you get back on campus for workouts and then you get shut down for two weeks. <laughs> I mean, and two days later, you're you're starting fall camp. I mean, I think it's and, and not to mention all the, the roster turnover from last year. So, I mean, if, if the season were conceivably started on time, you know, that first weekend of September, there's no question Michigan State would have been behind a lot of programs. Yeah, it would have been um, rough, man. Yeah, and I mean, now at the same time, how is he going to get better? He's not going to, the program, sure, I mean, they started the six and a half week strength and conditioning program, and he talked about building the base that way up, and, I, and I'm sure it'll help as long as they can keep guys on campus and that doesn't get interrupted. Um, but how are you going to really get better? You need practice. You need contact practice. You need real reps. You need game reps. And until you get that, it's all just kind of you know, I, I don't. I you need to put, turn the lights on and see how it really works. So uh, will Michigan State be say there's no spring or even if there is a spring or, or if we just go into the next fall, I think they will be better obviously than they would be. Uh, they would have been the start of this fall, but then again, 
roster questions if guys sit out and you lose some starters like guys that were already opting out. That's a concern as well. I I think this is perfect for Michigan State. I'll just jump in. Like I, if you have a spring, if if they would have had to play in the fall, you're talking about not having highly any practices to implement a new system with a new coach. You're talking about new quarterback, all the number of new guys. That new schedule that they had playing the teams that they were playing <laughs> early. Um, I mean, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but I, th- I think that would have been ugly. Um, and yes, they're going to need practice eventually. But if they have a spring, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of the best way to term that season. But it's not going to be thought of as like the season, as a normal season. Whoever wins it, like I don't, I mean, I'm sure they'll raise a trophy and call themselves Big Ten champions. The rest of the world is not going to see that as a legitimate normal championship, you know? So I almost see them as glorified scrimmages in a way in the spring. If there's six or eight of them um, with these kind of half rosters, you know, and, and no real, not a full schedule. um, I I think that's perfect for Michigan state and they can be bad then if they, if they're going to be bad and they can take all their lumps then. And then I think they'd be in a much better situation by fall 2020 to be a little bit more competitive. And I think doing that in the spring, Versus doing it in the fall when it's closer to a full season or at least looks more more like a legitimate season. I think that's better for them. Um, and maybe they'll surprise me and be better than I think in the spring. Who knows? But um, I, I think if I think if you're going to take your lump sometime, I'd rather take them in the spring than in the fall, personally. I, th- I think it's helpful, too. I mean, just such a late start. So many things stacking up against Mel Tucker if they were going to try and get this season in now. I mean, obviously, for anyone who loves football, we wanted to see I was willing to see, you know, a rough year from Michigan State because I expected it. And I, as a fan of college football, you know, I, I like to watch all the other games. I mean, you guys are beat reporters. You you kind of have to tune in on Saturdays to Michigan State. But, you know, as someone who's who's watching the team and, and passionate about it from afar, I, I love just college football Saturdays in general, waking up, drinking coffee, watching college game day, you know, going through all the games. Um, So even if it would have been bad for Michigan State, I obviously would have liked to have seen a season. But now that we're at this point, um, you know, it's maybe it's good that Michigan State's going to have more time to sort of pause, to recruit, to set the reset button. Matt, you you guys have both, you know, I assume talked to Mel Tucker or at least been able to talk to him from afar. He seems like I listen to his podcast, Tucker Talks. He's on social media nonstop. Is Mel Tucker uniquely suited to being able to maybe navigate this better than some other coaches? Because he seems extremely charismatic, at least watching from afar. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's obviously a difference between him and Mark. You know, he's younger, um, even though they're cut from the same cloth, you know, being, you know, saving guys and and defensive backs by, by both playing ability or trade and, and, and coaching, but um, you know, he embraces the social media thing a little bit more, obviously a little bit more, <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit more to say the least. Um, although you, when, when Mark sent a tweet on his own, you knew it was Mark. That was the, uh, that was always a, a humorous one, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he brought a little rejuvenation to the program and I think, you know, he, he's got a, a new mixture of guys. So you, you have fresh blood in there. You got people that are, some of them are have been working together before at multiple stops. You get some guys that are working together for the first time. So you get some fresh ideas in there. Um, and, you know, he said when he was asked about this on Friday, although it was specific more to the recruiting challenges related to the pandemic, but he said that, you know, we're built for this, you know, we'll embrace this, we'll embrace the challenges and, and move forward. I don't know what else you're supposed to say, but um, yeah, I mean, we we talked to him at the press conference initially, and then we had a a, a separate press conference about uh, ten days later, twelve days later, 
Um, and then we've had him on a couple Zoom calls. You know, he seems like a pretty charismatic guy. The problem is, uh, as far as recruiting, you're uh, you're trying to sell that uh, via Skype or, or FaceTime or whatever. Or Zoom, I should say. I'm sorry. Right. Um, and yeah, that's obviously a challenge to make it the same as it would be in person. Well, you bring up recruiting. I mean, we should probably touch on that. Michigan State got a recruit the other day after it had been a long gap and they had actually lost a couple of recruits. Um recruiting you know is always going to be somewhat of a challenge in Michigan State when you're when you're going up against the likes of Michigan and Ohio State and Notre Dame and even Penn State we've seen uh coming into Michigan more and more recently and getting some of the top recruits from there um I mentioned the charisma it seems like Mel Tucker should be a guy who should be able to you know at least intrigue people and I I I personally think you know some of the recruits he's been able to get from out of state with very limited uh, opportunities to visit or, you know, see the campus or even come to Michigan. Um, you know, I, I think it's been somewhat encouraging, but Kyle, how do you see, you know, the recruiting playing out here over the next, you know, year or so, especially considering he might not be even be able to put a team on the field for recruits to see. Um, I mean, obviously it, uh, um, it, it can't be good. What Matt, you, you'll have to remind me, wasn't there a guy who came out and said like, Hey, I was really looking forward to seeing what Michigan state's, you know, offense look like. And now I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah that, that, that was Andrell Anthony when he picked Michigan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. East Lansing kid. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of that and, and probably most of them aren't going to say it, but, um, you know, these kids here, we're going to get deeper into the process and Mel Tucker is not gonna be able to show anybody, um, what his offense looks like, what his defense looks like, what his staff is capable of. Um, and, and that's going to continue to hurt. Um, but, you know, they'll find some guys. I think it's going to be a lot about development for them. Matt, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think obviously very challenging when you had just, I think there was one, there are, he brought one, one group of guys. I mean, other than there were some recruits at some uh, late season basketball games that I saw, um, but he brought some guys to campus right in mid-March, like just days before the dead period got instituted. And that group included Ethan Boyd from East Lansing High School, who was there with Andrew Anthony. Boyd ended up committing in April. And Hampton Fay, a quarterback from from Texas, who was there on a, you know on his own dime because it was an unofficial. And you know they ended up landing him in April as well. So it, it paid off in that sense. But then with everything shut down, you're yeah, well, like mentioning Andrew Anthony again, you know, he said that, you know, in, in addition to the, the connection he had at Michigan with knowing what their offense looks like because it's the same the same staff, same coordinator, same head coach. They can show say, this is what you're going to look like. You can't do that at Michigan State. And he also had the relationship. And he said, you know, at Michigan State, he, he was looking forward to building that. But, you know, new head coach, new wide receivers coach. He said there's there's only so much you can do, you know, via, via Zoom and text and all that. So that, obvi- that obviously hurts. And now at the same time, I mean, they're. I think their class when I looked yesterday was ranked 68th in the nation and 13th in the Big Ten. That's it's obviously not great, but they only have 12 commits, so they got. They obviously have spots to fill. And you had a Kevin Wiginton, a, a three-star offensive lineman from New Jersey, was who committed back in April. He visited campus with his parents this past weekend on his own, and there were a couple of four-star uh, recruits from New Jersey there as well. Uh, running back Audrey Esteem, if I'm pronouncing that right can never mm-hmm. remember. And then offensive line, Ogino Vandemark, who are both teammates and there's a chance they could team up in college. So if you get those kids to come on their own dime from New Jersey to, to East Lansing shows you're at least making you're, you're in position to possibly get them. And those guys would both be big additions. So, I mean, I think they're, 
they're doing a good, decent job with what they've got. You know, they lost some some battles that stand out, but um, you know, they were playing catch up uh, from way behind in a lot of these in the first place. You know what they should do? Just have Tom Izzo do their recruiting. <laughs> Somehow, the guy is like technologically illiterate. If you know anything about him, he barely knows how to use a computer, but he is somehow the king of Zoom recruiting, which is like the upset of this whole pandemic for me. So get Tom across the street, get him on your Zooms or something, and, and you'll be fine. That's what I say. I heard Tom Izzo had lost his touch, so I don't know what you're talking about. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I guess when it comes to recruiting, the one thing I would say is I've been mildly encouraged by, you know, Mark D'Antoni obviously had huge ties in Ohio, got a lot of Ohio kids. Um, you know, his Michigan recruiting pipelines kind of dwindled there uh, in the wake of some of the the stuff that was going on. I, I've at least been encouraged that Mel Tucker sort of casting a wide net, uh, throwing, you know, the net out to recruits all over the country. You mentioned the New Jersey kids, a couple of Florida kids have come The te- Hampton fry from Texas. Um, the, the most recent linebacker, I believe is from Tennessee. Um, so I guess if nothing else, it's nice to see some kids coming from different parts of the country. Do you guys agree? I, I think, and Matt, you follow it better than me, so you can tell me, but I think the Ohio well dried up a little bit for Mark D'Antonio, or at least the, the fishing holes, some some more fishermen were um, were attracted there, to use a different analogy, because early on in his tenure, I mean, he built championship teams off Ohio, Ohio state of Ohio kids that Ohio State didn't take. And there was so much talent in that state. And really wasn't, I think, was being um, underlooked um, that they were able to, you know, some of the guys that they got out of there, whether it's Connor Cook um, or, or, or the number of guys that they got out of there, Le'Veon. L.J. Um, Scott. L.J. Scott. Well, Ohio State, he's the one exception. Ohio State did want him. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think I think that worked for them a while. And I think other guys caught on to that strategy. And you look at, like, Kentucky came up and, and took a lot of those guys in the last mm-hmm. couple of years of Mark D'Antonio's tenure. Um, and some and some other schools did, and um, they just weren't able to to use that strategy as well as as in the past. And uh, I mean, and I th- I think that's part of the reason um, things fell off a little bit there at the end. But yeah, I mean, it's you're you're diversified now. I think right. You know, you're not you're not so tied to one strategy because if that strategy stops working, um, th- then you're you're going to have some down years. So I I mean, I, it makes sense to me. I don't know, Matt. You know better. Yeah, and I, I think part of this, you know, you're when you do have a new staff, cause I mean, I don't think we need to really go too deep into Mark's loyalty, his loyalty to his staff and the number of guys that have been around for a long time. So you, you're set in your ways in certain respects. And now you have a new head coach who's, who's got a different past. He's got a different history. Yeah. He's from Ohio. Yeah. You know, he coached with Mark at, at both, you know, at, at Ohio state winning a national championship, but you know, he also spent time in the NFL, spent time at Alabama, he spent time at, at Georgia uh, Colorado and he brings a staff with them that all have different connections as well. They're recruiting in Louisiana going after guys right now. That is, was basically unheard Never of happened. When, yeah. when, under Mark, you know, and, you know, they're offering a lot of guys in, in on the West coast uh, in California because of ties through when they were at, uh, when a number of them were at, were at Colorado. So you're seeing them rely on a lot of those ties like Hampton Fay. He was a guy that was a wide receiver his sophomore year uh, on a state championship team, Alito. He transfers to become a starting quarterback at his new school. He only plays, I think it was four games, three games, four games, and he gets a shoulder injury, has to have labrum surgery. They 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 offered him off of the three games or whatever it was film when he was when they when Tucker and uh, and Jay Johnson were at Colorado. They go to Michigan State and they offer him again. And next thing, I mean, so they're just it's going to be different than than when Mark was there. I mean, I, they're going to still try and recruit Ohio 
Mel's got, you know, ties there and you still got Trestle there, obviously, but uh, you will see guys coming from a lot of different areas. I think the uh, defensive end they got this past weekend was their first, I looked it up, I think it was their first commit from Tennessee since like 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, I saw a note about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, you know, difference. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be challenging. That's for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to watch over the next year or so here. Um, so transitioning to the last thing I want to touch on today, Kyle, you wrote a, a story yesterday um, talking about Michigan State's budget in the in the hole that no football is going to leave on it. Um, just reading from your story here, uh, 80 to 85 million dollar uh, hole. That's more than half of the school's 140 million dollar budget. Um, so what's next for Michigan state moving forward from that perspective? I mean, football is obviously a huge moneymaker, you know, 76,000 seat stadium or so that's going to be empty. And this is obviously something that a lot of schools, uh, a challenge that a lot are looking at. Um, so just maybe talk about that article that you had Kyle and, and sort of what Michigan state can do to try and offset this. Yeah. You know, it's something that I, I don't think is on a lot of people's forefront of their minds, but, uh, you know, B- Bill Beekman called it an existential moment because, you know, I'm, I'm not an accountant, but any, I would think anytime you're running a business and you lose half of your revenue overnight, um, I mean, you just have to rethink everything from the ground up. Um, so, you know, he's talking about going through and, um, you know, delaying maintenance and, you know, he even talked about getting rid of subscriptions that they have. I don't know if they're not going to subscribe to the, to the Grand Rapids press anymore or something, but, um, <laughs> um no! they're going to, yeah, I know. Um, so they're going to find as much fat as they can to cut as far as not people, but, um, you know, we have access to some of their, their budgets from recent years and, um, it just doesn't look like that's going to be enough and they're going to have to start, um, looking at some personnel, um, to um to make to help fill that hole and you know potentially he's not taking off cutting some sports off the table um you know michigan state has 25 varsity sports um 23 of those lose money um everything except football men's basketball so um most of those are in the one to two million dollar year range so um, you know you can do some math we've certainly seen that happen a lot of places across the country um a lot of max schools have had to go that route but you know stanford cutting some sports that caught my attention there a couple of weeks ago uh-huh. um you know they're they're kind of a bastion for for sporting um for sporting excellence all across the board so we see that happen was pretty jarring and that was before football got cut um so it wouldn't surprise me if that happens but i i think you know college athletics i mean anybody who follows the big 10 knows these schools get 50 million dollars a year from the from the big 10 it's it's a preposterous amount of money and, you know, even when you cover all those other sports, I mean, you've got you've seen these staffs get so much bigger over the years. You've seen these facilities get um, so opulent over the years. They just they have more money than they know what to do with. So the the gravy train is coming to a halt. Um, and I think you're going to see some of these support staffs, maybe for football, maybe get a little slimmed up. Maybe some of these athletic departments and, um, you know, the headcounts, those who've gone up, those might have to have to go down. So um, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure anything that's going to have a huge effect as far as what we see, um, you know, the product on the field. But um, it, for people and within college athletics, I think it's going to be a big moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these smaller sports um, go by the wayside, which would be a shame, too. Matt, did you pour a little out for uh, Michigan State's budget? Did you? Did are you feeling sad for them? Uh, I mean, if I was, I, I can't like I, was, I can't imagine losing you know eighty to eighty five million of 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 
from your budget. That that's obviously uh, less than ideal. Um, and the timing for Michigan State is is not ideal in in any shape either. From you know they just I, it, it might be finished now. I haven't drove by a week or so, but you know they did a, a minor upgrade to the uh, football building. Not something major, but you know that still was what four or five million dollars. Um, you know, you, you bring in Mel Tucker, you, you make him one of the highest paid coaches in the nation. You give him a $6 million assistant pool, which was a significant bump up from uh, about the 4.5 D'Antonio staffs made D'Antonio staff made last year. Mark cashed in a $4.3 million bonus for uh, a retention bonus for being there through whatever it was, February, the, I can't remember the date or January. Mm-hmm. Um, and you add it all up and, and it's. It's expensive, and they're and Bill's going to face some very difficult decisions. Obviously, like most, well, just about every athletic or director across the country. So, I think that's where his unique background, um, being basically a longtime administrator, not associated with sports directly. Um, that's he. he yeah, I think, I think has, he needs a budget nerd now. They don't need they don't need Mark Hollis trying to figure out how to play on the moon right now. Yeah. <laughs> Although he probably is, he is probably somewhere trying to figure out how to play on the moon. Still, go ahead. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I think it's uh, it's pretty obvious they're gonna. They're, I mean, it's it's gonna be a tough uh, tough way to uh, to balance a budget for this year and deal with the the losses that you're gonna incur without football. And then what do you do moving forward? Like Bill said, you know, we want to play football. We want to play sports that make money. That's football and men's basketball. But we're everything else is on the table. So who knows? And I and I feel uh, I feel sorry for the athletes, obviously, who not only had the fall season taken away, but now face an un- uncertain future as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, obviously, plenty of challenges, uh, you know, not just for universities, but for everyone right now. I uh, hope everyone's staying safe out there. And yeah, I, I feel so bad for the athletes and, and even students, too, who are kind of having their, their college experience sort of taken away from them in a certain way. Um, so challenging times ahead. Uh, that's for sure. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up today for the inaugural episode of Spartan Confidential presented by MLive.com. Uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Kyle's at Kyle B. Austin. Uh, Matt's at, at M. Wenzel, too. Uh, but, you know, Spartan fans, you guys know these guys. They're, they're some of the best follows out there. Lots of great information. I'm at Brandon the Champ, the the spelled with an A, uh, because some jerk in Nebraska who hasn't tweeted since 2002 has Brandon the Champ. Um, but uh, so if everyone wants to shout at him and tell him to delete his account, I might be okay with that. Next time we're out there, Brandon, I'll, I'll pay him a house call for you. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, bring Scott Frost with you. He likes to try and get <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we're not going to put a time frame on how many episodes we're going to record. It's obviously they might be a little bit lacking uh, in terms of new information, but uh, basketball recruiting, uh, we'll probably get some news with basketball here pretty soon. So we'll be sure to touch on that. Um, but uh, appreciate everyone for, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast.